0: Hello, I'm Jason Ball, and this is Friends with Friends, the podcast where we explore all 236 episodes of the TV show Friends, one at a time, and I am joined by my friends Jackie and Vanessa.
1: Hi, I'm Jackie Rodriguez, and I'm the biggest Friends fan
2: ever. (laughs) And guys, I'm Vanessa Martinez, and I made it through my first season of Friends with my friends. Yay. <laughs> this is
0: the season finale, episode 24. Uh, it's called The One Where Rachel Finds Out. And uh it premiered on May 18th, 1995 to 31.3 million viewers.
1: That is wow. crazy. That is crazy. It's the That's highest episode. Yeah, highest episode of the season so far.
0: All right, give us a quick
1: overview. So Joey's taking part of fertility study. It's Rachel's birthday, and Ross gives her a special gift that Chandler accidentally spills. that Ross is in love with her with that gift. Um, Rachel decides she's going to go for it for Ross, but is it too late?
0: (laughs) Okay, so I read that their inspiration for this Mm -hmm. episode was the writings of Jane Austen. And I thought, that's weird, but then after I watched it, I kind of get it, because there's this like secret that some people know and some people don't, and then it's let out, and it's a big deal that this secret's out, and this kind of resolving of the secret sort of thing. So it kind of is that kind of sense and sensibility, a a little bit kind of uh, idea, I think. It was interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
2: All I know is, as soon as I saw the ending, I couldn't help but let out a big sigh. Like, I was just, I don't know, like, ah. Frustrated or
0: excited or what?
2: No, frustrated that we see Ross with another woman. <laughs> <laughs> it's not well, it's okay same. when
0: you see Rachel with another man. You were okay with Paolo and Barry yeah. and all that?
2: Maybe I wasn't okay with all of that. Maybe this was this <laughs> <Consciously>. me off. <laughs> all
1: right, there's a me. lot.
0: There's a lot to unpack dude, before we get to that point. So, yes. Yes. Uh,
1: exactly. So they start the episode with Joey and explain that he needs extra money and he's going to do a fertility study. So this episode is really taking their, like, sexual innuendos to another level.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it so definitely takes the innuendo to another level. I love <laughs> that uh, the yeah, well that, yeah, I love that Phoebe says that Joey will be making hand, uh, money hand over fist.
1: Hand over fist. And then I like that they they acknowledge, you know, Joey, he's not saying what's, what he has to do. But he goes, you know what I mean. And they go, Joey, we always know what you mean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is. It's, it's very, very forward in that sense, you know, because
0: of what they're saying. And the funny thing is, because he's part of the trial, he's not allowed to have sex. Well, he's yeah. a part of the trial.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, it's he got new,
0: and he's got a new girl. He's yeah. Melanie.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She does fruit baskets. And so then, you know, it's she. he's being there for her, as they say it. And yeah, then Monica she tells him, the, yeah. Remember the company,
0: the three basketeers?
1: <laughs> yeah. And then she offers him so many baskets after they spend the night together. Well, I
0: think it's interesting that Monica tells him to make it all about her. Uh I
2: think this goes because this goes to show that he's kind of selfish in in that manner. You know, it's all about him. Yeah, that's
1: what Melanie says in bed. She says, I thought you were all about yourself, but you're a giver.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And Monica, you know, gave him a clue about what he should be doing.
1: Yeah,
2: And that's not the first time that
1: Monica kind of gives sex advice. She um, helps Chandler
0: out later in other seasons. <laughs> that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's
1: like the one that's telling
0: everybody, as always, what to do. <laughs> I mean, she by the show you would think that she has probably the most active sex life anyway. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, with young Ethan, well, <laughs> you see
0: that in the first episode. She, the guy, yeah. the wine guy. Oh, the wine guy. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, so I think she gives him the advice and he does it, and I think he actually liked it. He liked being a giver too.
1: Yeah, he did until like the end scene. Um, it shows, or towards the end, Chandler asked him, Are you gonna keep doing it? Is it? "Are you kidding me?". When a blind man gets a sight, do you see him walking around like this <laughs> and put <his> hands up? <laughs> Right,
0: because He first initially said, "When a man, you know, it's like one of my senses was dulled and all the rest of them were heightened."
1: Yeah, i thought that was good and so he just goes back to his normal ways but at least he experienced other stuff yeah
0: Yeah. and he
2: was just there for her (laughs) her. yeah
0: so then joe uh then ross is uh taken has to take an an emergency business trip to china to get a dinosaur bone
2: (laughs) yeah (laughs) that was a very random you know i gotta go to china because i need a dinosaur bone but i guess
0: yeah, it
1: works yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Work. ross is late, and so he misses rachel's birthday
1: yes he misses rachel's birthday and then he gives her a special gift and then that leads to chandler um saying oh, are you kidding me wait wait
0: wait <laughs> I that rachel does not like anything she's so excited about her birthday but she doesn't really like any of their gifts
2: yeah do you are you guys you know when you guys give gifts are you go straight to the gift cards or do you think about what you're going to give the person?
1: It just depends on who the person is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's hard sometimes. It
2: is. I
1: mean, if it's my close friend, I usually give them like real gifts, but if it's like a friend that I'd still close friend, but I don't talk to on the normal basis, I'll give them a gift card or something. Yeah. So it's just all, it really just depends.
0: Well, yeah.
2: I like actually giving gifts. I think Christmas, I really love Christmas because I get to buy people gifts and I get to Aww. wrap them. And I don't like wrapping them in gift bags. I like wrapping them with wrapping paper.
0: That's oh, nice. Old school, I like it. Yeah, uh-huh.
2: a good a good wrapping is always nice.
0: So she gets... Um,
2: travel Scrabble.
0: <laughs> travel Scrabble, that's hilarious. Oh, yeah.
2: There must be an ongoing theme with Scrabble because we saw how Marcel choked on the Scrabble piece and now she's getting Scrabble.
0: They no, do play I like a lot it. of board games in general.
2: They played Twister. Yeah.
0: They played Sorry. They played uh, uh, Scrabble. So they're big into the the games.
2: Yeah, and then Joey gives her a book. Oh, That's a Dr. doctor Seuss
0: film. book. I love yeah, that doctor Seuss, Seuss
2: book.
1: Yeah. Oh, oh the, the places you'll, you'll go. go.
0: I uh-huh. love that
2: book.
1: Yeah. Oh, that was cute. I thought that was cute that you gave her that. You know, um I when I graduated college, my mom um and my niece, my niece, who was I think like seven or eight at the time, gave me um a curious George book of like kind of like Dr. Suso, the places you'll go. And then she wrote in there with her you know, broken handwriting. <laughs> mm. uh, and it was really cute. So I thought that resonated with me a little bit because I still have that, like, displayed on one of my shelves.
0: <laughs> oh, that's Yeah, cute. yeah. And it's then cute. Ross, of course, gives her the pen that reminds me of the, that they had seen some mm-hmm. months before. It's very sweet.
1: Mm-hmm. And then um, Cameron
0: spills the beans. spills the beans. beans,
1: yes. And I love the reaction. So they could have called the episode the one with the crystal duck because that kind of also... <laughs> Um, explains (laughs) the whole thing because he's like, Are you kidding? You know, when Ross gifted Carol when he fell in love with her, the ridiculous crystal duck. And what gets me is how the other girls didn't know, how did Monica and Phoebe not know about Ross liking Rachel this whole entire time, being in love with her this whole entire time? I
0: mean, do you think they know I mean he didn't he only talked to Joanne Chandler about it. Yeah. Yeah. But you would think we would have known anyway. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. And then you do see that like early on when he wanted to go ask uh, Rachel out, he did confide in the guys, you know, and ask for their advice. And now the guys are giving him advice on what to do about the gift. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I actually thought Rachel's re- reaction surprised me too, because she said, I, I had no idea. I mean, he, he mentioned that he might ask me out when we first, when I first came, mm-hmm. but nothing ever happened with this. Well, so I thought it was over. And so we, all have been on Ross's side and seeing that he's been trying this all the time, but I never really I like why is she I actually thought why is she being kind of a bitch about this? Cause she knows he likes him, mm. actually, yeah, but it. Was, I guess she didn't realize that he liked her. Yeah, more. it was like it was so
2: sudden I feel like, oh here's a gift. Oh wait, he liked me? Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It it seemed that little part right there, I liked it, but I feel like it could have
0: I don't know, been a little more well once she said he mentioned it That he might go out when I first came and then nothing ever happened of it after that. I'm like, okay, I I get that. I I understand that.
1: Mm -hmm. But they had that little kiss in the East German laundry surgeon episode. And then I think Ross knows too that she's kind of off in her own la la land when he got really mad at her when she lost Marcel, like Rachel off in her own land, you know? So I think she's preoccupied. that kind of stuff to realize. I mean, a, lot, a lot, of, lot
0: going on. She definitely has a
1: yeah. lot going on. Yes.
0: She's definitely self
1: A hundred percent. So, and in her own transition, of trying to figure out her life, you know, like a uh, new, new year, new place, new city, all that good stuff. So, but, um, and then I like how Joey leaned away from Chandler.
0: He's not want any residual. <laughs> he's like, oh, no. And then he tries to be like, no, I'm in love with you, Rachel. I'm
1: in love with you, before she takes off.
0: Today. No, then Phoebe saying, I, I thought this was hilarious. I don't think any of our lives will ever be the same. That I yes. thought that was very Jane Austen. Yes. That was a very Jane Austen line there. <laughs>
2: yes, yeah. yes. Because it's true. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that
0: was my
2: favorite line. Yeah, if you guys think it weren't for the gift, how how long do you think it would have taken Rachel to find out?
0: Mm -hmm. If Chandler hadn't told, I don't think she would have ever found out. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah, yeah, because then
1: he he starts dating another woman, and so. Well, I love
0: the way he did it too. He said, "You know, mm -hmm. remember when uh, uh, Ross fell in love with Carol and he bought the gift? He didn't actually say it, but he Mm -hmm. said it." He said it. Yeah.
1: It wasn't like a sit-down moment of like Ross is in love with you.
0: Right. <laughs> it wasn't intentional. There was no malice involved in it for sure. He didn't it was completely accidental.
1: And then you think like right after that, you know, she takes off to the airport and you think, okay, she's gonna catch him. Once again, she doesn't.
0: <laughs> okay. I love though that when she's on the date with Carl up on the terrace and
1: yeah.
0: Ross is there in her mind talking yeah. about how awful curl is. And they have their first really romantic kiss, and it's not even real. It's not even <laughs> yeah. real. Yeah. And I yeah. think that Get was the, come- tease. the These writers are such teases about this whole I thing. I
1: know, because if, if they teased it that way too, you would think that that would be their first kiss.
2: Did you guys notice how Rachel's uh, camera was blurry when she was talking to Ross? No. Or there was like some kind of lighting. Like, she was, she was lit up in a certain way, and every time the camera would pan to her, I felt like my eyes got really blurry and I couldn't mm-hmm. really see. And I, there was like a lot of light, like a lot of like like gaze.
1: Maybe uh, because that's, what, was, that's her thoughts.
2: Yeah, that's right. But I thought like, it would have been Ross then in that case, since he's an yeah. imaginary person there. Oh,
1: that's, yeah. That's but it. I also but, like that they played that scene out with, you know, Ross being there. Because they, she could have had that conversation with one of the girls and they just actually played it out.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we haven't seen them do that. Uh, that kind of uh, scene in any other episode that we've seen that I've seen so far. Mm-hmm. All I know is I was just upset.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then after she leaves, she leaves Carl, and then she goes, and
2: then what happens? He has
1: some other girl with her.
2: <laughs> with oh, but I thought it was so funny, like the whole making the light of the situation about how the flight attendant went to tell the accidentally told the older man.
0: Oh my god, that was hilarious! <laughs> it was so good. Well, yeah, when she went to the airport the first time. Yeah. Yes. She went to the airport the first time to stop him, and he's already on the plane, and we're in the headset, and then she tells the flight attendant, and then that that actor is John Riley, who was in the Bob Newhart show from the seventies. Ah. He was one of the uh, recurring. Uh, Bob Newhart played a, a psychiatrist, and he was one of Bob's uh, long-term patients. and had that kind of same dry sense of humor. Mm. I love that his wife thinks he's having an affair with someone someone named Rachel. Rachel. <laughs> they, it, off yeah. the plane, they play it again. They play it again.
1: <laughs> yeah. when they, he says, know. I you know, I, I
0: promise you there's no one about Rachel or whatever he's yeah. saying.
1: Yeah. And I like that. I mean, how much of a coincidence are you gonna have the same people that when you're like outbound and then you're inbound? You know, they, that doesn't right. happen. <laughs> yeah. But um, the airport is a very important setting for the rest of the series.
0: Just letting you know, Vanessa. Well, there are lots of good things. He said goodbye to Marcel in the airport. Mm-hmm. So but they, it,
1: something starts here, and then something else happens there too. For so that storyline.
0: I was watching this. First of all, that very last scene where she goes to the airport. That Madonna's "Take a Bow" is playing the yes. whole scene, which I thought was beautiful, and perfect. Uh-huh. Um. But then I, she's holding the flowers And she's looking down the corridor And at one point I thought she saw them But then I'm like oh no she didn't see them mm-hmm. Because you want to see her reaction When she sees Roth, and you don't get to That's the real cliffhanger Yeah, yeah. You just want to see what her face looks like When she he's walking holding hands with Julie
2: Mmm i'm so upset i'm really upset i really uh, i'm so frustrated like
1: she's going down the corridor and he he picks up the bag and then he gives it to her and then he kisses her and you're like what who's this girl who is this girl and in one week he comes back with like
2: a girlfriend like a legit
1: girlfriend yeah yeah Yeah. i mean you explain they get they explain how they know each other in the next season i still don't like it
0: so, <laughs> I haven't changed my mind about it It's
1: so clever, so clever. not it.
2: clever that wasn't supposed to happen
1: <laughs> no. They keep it going They just keep it going
2: <laughs> My favorite line from the show would have to be When Ross was uh, talking to Rachel In her imaginary dream When he says it only has to happen once Because it gives um, Rachel that hope and optimism That this could really work out And it only takes one shot and she goes for it It's true it was And like the realization of it all
1: and, and, and so you only break up once for Ross and Rachel. Mm. That claims something. <laughs> Does that really only happen once? <laughs> so we'll see. We'll find out later seasons.
0: All um, right. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. And we, when we come back, we have a very special guest joining us to talk about the friends phenomenon of the first season, what it was like uh, when the, the show first premiered and lots of exciting uh, gossipy stuff from behind the scenes all right we'll be back
1: achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking what's your secret begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only 14.95 bite clear aligners are doctor directed and delivered to your door Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
0: All right, and we're back from the break, and we have... We are very honored and very lucky to have our special guest today, Mr. Sam Rubin, one of the. You, how long have you been covering entertainment news in this uh, in this town? Uh, longer than the three of you have been alive. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate yeah. it more than they do. <laughs> yeah.
1: I always joke with Sam that he has he's born the same year as my mother. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I an employees say the same to me, Sam. Too, so you're not yeah. alone in that. Okay, uh, But thank you for joining us here on Friends with Friends. Uh, What are your – you've been covering this – you were there, you were covering Friends when it premiered back in 1994. What were the – what was it like back in those days covering that here in Los Angeles?
3: Well, well, I I tell you what, I'm going to answer that by saying how kind of informed I am. Hey, this is such a a good idea. And initially I was skeptical, but in watching this episode and then doing the Friends with Friends thing on television – these shows really play. They unbelievably stand the test of time. And that was a surprise to me because sometimes you'll watch things, particularly things that are decades old, and you'll think, oh, it's dated or, or whatever. These are very contemporary. You could more or less run these right now <laughs> with, without any alteration. And so I remember then this, you know, slow build. People were excited about it. And then by the end of this first season, by this cliffhanger where we're at, this conclusion, it was a full-fledged phenomenon. And I may have my dates mixed up, but I believe the big Diet Coke promotion was either at the end of this first season or or thereafter. And that was a huge thing, both in terms of the revenue that the cast received for that and this tremendous announcement, boy, this is on the map. And I also think prior to the Diet Coke commercial, there was this accessibility. I've interviewed all of them many times, but you could easily get them then. And then after the Diet Coke commercial, it was much harder to get them.
2: <laughs> so let's talk about that for a little bit. You said you interviewed the cast members. So how w- were their personalities like when they were first starting out versus now?
3: Well, I think I think Matthew Perry uh, is the most dramatic change and not always entirely for the better. We have run footage of Matthew Perry on the morning news and fun and, and playful and, and sort of snarky. Um, and the stepson of uh, my favorite TV personality of all, uh, the Dateline NBC host, Keith Morrison. So I like that uh, he's related to Keith Morrison. I didn't know that. Uh, and and as I always say, you can't be successful unless you're Canadian. So uh, Keith <laughs> and Matthew Perry, born in Canada. Um, so I, I think he was initially like my favorite. Uh-huh. Um, and then David Schwimmer, uh, we've talked about this at the Friends with Friends uh, television his mother was a really well-known lawyer in Los Angeles and was in the headlines periodically. I don't think criminal law, but, you know, sort of business law and kind of policy law. So I I always remember her name. She had Arlene Coleman Schwimmer was, was this big attorney before he broke out. And then Jennifer Aniston's dad was a soap star, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lisa Kudrow was kind of, you know, known in the, the improv community. Um, and then Matt LeBlanc, to me, wasn't known at all. So I, I think that, yeah. that's the most sort of unknown. And then the most famous of the six, because the Bruce Springsteen video, was Courtney Cox. So when they yeah. talked about the show, it's like, oh, we've assembled these young, talented people you know, who are not really known. Well, except you might know her from Dancing in the Dark.
1: Yeah, and I think her personality with Monica, and we discussed that too—that she was the most famous. That all revolved around her in the beginning of the series of season one. You know, everybody was everybody's invested into her love life, and I think it goes to show that she was the most famous.
3: Yeah, I I think, and it—it's funny how the you know show uh, kind of shifts and evolves. And one other thing about it, and I think they are close personal friends now in Mm -hmm. real life, but obviously kind of came to to know one another at the time. How seamless. Matt and uh, Matt Perry and Matt LeBlanc are how Chandler um, and Joey, it's mm-hmm. like freaking frack. It's really uh, amazing. You would think they'd been working together a lot longer than just this one scene mm-hmm. as we see in this episode.
0: So back to like, okay, let's the, the pilot of this show, and we've all seen millions of pilots and you see the pilot and then you see the show, two or three, five years later, and the show really has evolved and the actors have gotten their sync, I felt like this was a really good pilot. It was strong. They felt like they had been working together for some time and it, it wasn't one of those kind of experimental, because if you watch the pilot of like Will and Grace, like Sue, uh, uh, Jack and um, Karen are not developed at all in that. So that came about later, but I thought this was a really good, strong start. I don't know, if you, do you feel the same way or how important is that pilot?
3: No, I, I I think often you know pilots are a blueprint, and and very rarely are pilots great out of the gate. Uh, the other thing is that you know which has been widely discussed and explored, and you guys could easily find a video or a picture of them. There's an actor named Craig Bierko, who has worked steadily. It's not a famous name. He was in that Lifetime series Unreal. He was sort of playing the the Mike Fleiss character, the creator mm-hmm. of Bachelor. Craig Bierko tells an amazing story of how he was offered the Chandler role and how he he thought, oh, one of six. And he was also offered the chance to play McLean Stevenson's son in the McLean Stevenson show. It's one of six or I'm the son to the main, or one of two. And he always talks about how he turned down friends. And he described it this great way, when he hung up the phone on what turned out to be, you know, a hundred million dollars. Um, <laughs> so, so Matthew Perry was not the first choice. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know about the origins necessarily of the rest of them, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean, I think that I think it's it's strong. The other thing is, uh, and Jason, you and I were talking about this in the hallway uh, not that long ago. I mean, it's risque, it's it's it's, it's <laughs> dirty. It is. It's dirty. I mean, it's it's it is a lot of. Sort of genitalia jokes. I mean, it, it, it's dirty stuff. I mean, dirty. It's it's
0: sexy stuff. Inuit, a lot of innuendo and yeah. and, and things that are, they go right up right up to that line, um, and then, you know, but they do it in a in a way that's almost innocent. And, and in and in mixed company too. I don't know, Sam. You remember the '90s was very different too. You didn't have a lot of sexual conversations across those gender lines, you know, and so this was, especially in those early episodes when you're just kind of eavesdropping on those conversations, Mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting how much sex talk there actually was.
3: Well, that, that, and you know, the other thing about it is this uh, sort of discovery as obviously some new people are discovering it now when it does the max streaming, it'll be discovered again. And my uh, eldest daughter who's 24 is too young to have discovered it when it first came out on TV but I remember so much what I'll describe as her graduation from loving Full House and then <laughs> kind of all her middle school friends graduated to Friends. And I'm like, oh, Friends is a lot more risque than Full House. You know, how do you even get at stuff?
0: Uh-huh. But,
3: but they they loved it. And now her younger sister, who's six years younger, like six years after she did or, uh, after Perry got it, Rory got to do it. It was really it's funny how there's a part and- of people find it.
1: And it's interesting to see that as well because it gained a whole new audience when it went on Netflix, and then and and it's still relevant. Like you mentioned, the, the legacy and the development of these characters—it's all still relevant today. And I remember when it was first on. I lit. I shared a room with my older sister. She. I'm 34. She's 40. And I remember it being on TV in my in being on TV in my room, but I'd never watched it. I didn't grow to watch it until about 2006 or so when I was 20 years old. And so it's it's interesting to see, like, when did we go from watching Full House to Friends?
3: And, yeah. And then, and then one other thing which I think cannot be understated, and this never happens now, mm-hmm. the theme song was a hit song. Yes. <laughs> that was a hit song on, on, you song know, on the radio. Uh, mm-hmm. That helped. Uh, amplify the whole thing, everything that you could sort of push behind it, but it it delivered. And again, you guys would know better than I. So 236 episodes. So it was 10 seasons or more. Mm
0: -hmm. So this is episode 24. So uh, I think you're right. It does hold up very well. And I find the, I think we have different perspectives on this. I find the nineties fashion and technology and all that endearing and nostalgic. (laughs) <laughs> because you know, I remember it, and I think you guys—it doesn't bother you. You find no. it charming.
1: I mean, some of it's still in style today, <laughs> like some of the crop tops and the stuff that Rachel wears. They're coming it's back. back. Well, yeah. in the, in, the,
3: in this balcony sequence where she's wearing kind of the the skirt that's sort of short and mm-hmm. long in the back. Yeah. I was, it's like, a lovely skirt. I mean, and, you know, <laughs> I thought that too. It had mm-hmm. a really, uh, it had a good look, and you know. It, it, it's a very good looking cast. I, it, mm-hmm. We all have our biases, but, you know, Courtney's beautiful, Jennifer's beautiful. Uh, and you could see, you know, and, and I shouldn't talk, now and later Night, life, not David Schwimmer, but Matthew Perry and, and uh, <laughs> have thickened to a degree, as we all have. Yeah, uh, You could tell them, they all, and they, 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 there's just this real obvious camaraderie amongst
0: yeah. them. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. What we did have- you think of the cliffhanger at the end of this episode?
3: Really, really good, and then the girlfriend, of course, uh, walking mm-hmm. off the plane, and I choose to believe that Jennifer Aniston doesn't—it it hasn't gotten to the point where she sees them,
0: right? They're just mm-hmm.
3: walking off, and she hasn't seen them yet. Um, I think that's really good and really rare, and and you know, borrowed kind of from soaps and and ma- made people talk about it. it at that point in the world of TV watching. Summer reruns still happened. And still so mattered, so people you know could catch up, and it didn't you know with, with conventional soaps and, and, and the dramatic soaps they were reticent to rerun them because you were so familiar with the plot, and then there was a cliffhanger, and then you waited till the fall. But um, it was great; it was a really smart idea, very good idea. Do you
2: think um, reporters and TV executives executives understood the magnitude that this show would have after that first season?
3: No, and and the the other a couple of other things that, that occur to me. Jason mentioned Will & Grace. After the first season of Will & Grace, there's this very, very famous story. Uh, there's a restaurant right across from both Universal and Warner Brothers called The Smokehouse in Burbank. And they took the four leads of Will & Grace to The Smokehouse. And then as the lunch concluded, they walked outside uh, in front of Valley parking were four brand new Porsches, one for each member of the cast. Wow. Thank you, thank you for your service. Congratulations yeah. to you. And then one thing that, The Warner Brothers lot, particularly because the cars park right in front of the stage. Everybody talks about this. You know, it's usually the second or third year that the cars change. (laughs) In their initial, uh, you know, kind of beat up sedan that they got from their parents, and then they get their first good car. And then you know, by the end of Friends, these were you know, Matt LeBlanc, these are Lamborghinis and stuff. I mean, Mm great cars. Uh, So I, I. I mean, they really started, I mean, they weren't badly paid when they started, but they really got paid from the Diet Coke thing for all this ancillary money. And then, of mm-hmm. course, you know, renegotiating their salary.
2: Yeah. And the smokehouse is still there. I've been there a couple of times.
3: Yeah. Excellent. I, I just don't <laughs> want to see what the light's on. <laughs> um, but know, I, I think certain numbers are incalculable because I remember Jason's likely been to this as well. There used to be these big TV conventions. Called Natby in Las Vegas, National Association of TV program executives, where they would sell the rerun rights to a show like mm-hmm. Friends. So you would have a mock-up of Central Perk, you'd have all this stuff, and maybe they could get one to appear for five minutes to wave. But it, I mean, with it's not an exaggeration. That show has made billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. A- absolutely. it's it, it, it's amazing. It continues uh, to to you know rerun successfully. Is it can you yeah. see more now?
0: HBO Max is pretty much the only place, and KTLA, of course. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> is there any way to even, I can't even fathom how much money they, they've they made off of this, much less, I should say, billions. Warner Brothers has made billions of dollars off of it, selling it around the world and, and you know, probably every language on the planet. But, I mean, they're still getting paid well, I would assume, from residuals and the HBO Max deal and all of that, Right. Oh, a-
3: a- absolutely. In fact, this would be sort of a fun homework assignment. This is within the last month. Matthew Perry, who in effect, there's little blips, but has not worked for 10 years at least.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, he has a Century City uh, condo, that building um, that Candy Spelling lives in. And his unit is up for sale for a mil- mere $36 million, but there's a fabulous video of it. And that that's his second or third place. That's not his main residence. So the uh, it's incalculable. But the one thing I also think about, and it's something I've never talked with any of the cast about, but but Brian Cranston in talking about Breaking Bad references Breaking Bad as his tombstone role. That he'll do other things and he's, you know, he's got plenty of career left ahead of him, but he's never going to do anything as good as that, as big as that, mm-hmm. with that level of, of attention and impact. And I think he kind of recognizes that. And these guys were all so young. <laughs> Have done their tombstone role. I mean, Jennifer Aniston is working now. You know, they're, they're all working, but um, but that's and then you you know you asked earlier about the difference between then and now, um, and this is sort of the sad side of it. Um, Matthew Perry played one of the Kennedys in a Reels Channel series about the Kennedy, and there was an event in Beverly Hills, and I interviewed him on the red carpet, and then spent some time with him in a sort of a green room area, and he was with another. Guy. And I was like, who is this person? And that was his sober minder, somebody who was literally, you know, by his side, effectively being paid to Mm -hmm. make sure he didn't, you know, veer off the straight and narrow. And I thought, you know, A, good for him for having somebody like that with him, but, you know, how unfortunate the, the necessity is to have somebody like that with him.
1: You see that in um, Friends, Eva, season three through six, Matthew Perry's been quoted that he doesn't really remember it. So it's it's sad, but it's with success you know. These things happen to them so young. Did you
2: watch Friends when it was first released?
3: Yeah, I remember. What I remember a couple of things. I certainly did. Yes, I watched it. I don't know that I necessarily was like, oh my gosh, Thursday night at you know eight or eight thirty, I've got to be there. And then this is later uh, in the run when they decided. Uh, Jeff Zucker who now runs CNN to supersize it. They made a couple episodes that were 45 minutes long. And I know that mm-hmm. cost an extra amount. And I, I wonder if it felt, uh, lengthy there. <laughs> and then yeah. the, the, the small, uh, uh, townness of Hollywood, Marta Kaufman, uh, mm-hmm. has gone on to create lots of other shows. And we've talked to her periodically over the years, David Crane, uh, did that great, um, episodes show with Matt. Mm-hmm. Terrific. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm talking to you from my house in West L.A., and David Crane used to live kind of around the corner, and when he moved, they had like a little bit of an estate sale, and my wife and I went over there, and there was like a little rug that wouldn't be bigger than a doormat, and my wife's like, that's a a fantastic rug, and I like looked at the, you know, red sticker as to how much that rug was, which, uh, and I said, well, you know, enjoy it here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it, it was amazing i mean again and warner brothers and nbc and other people have profited more but everyone affiliated with that show uh you know went on to do very well and also there was this and, and people talk about this you know like a like a golden era that has passed mm-hmm. but if you were a comedy writer working on that show in the first two or three years and you can just look at that list of names. Almost all of them got these huge development deals. It's like, hey, you're, you're not, you didn't create it. You're just one of the staff writers. But since you've worked on it and you have the halo of work on it, can you go and create one for us?
1: Uh-huh. And
3: I uh, knew one or two of those guys. And I went to these poker games with people, you know, not even 30. Who and it, and it was always like, I always said, it was like going to a foreign car show. It's like, I, you know, I didn't know you could get a Maserati in that color. <laughs> <laughs> so there was all these, you know, relatively, you know, different shows are populated by different, but these were all, you know, young,
0: often Ivy League-ish types, but everybody did well from that show. I think, too, the thing we should remember is in the the 90s, it was still different, and people watched it on Thursday nights at 8.30 as a collective audience and then talked about it the next day at work. It wasn't like the binge thing where, oh, we can't talk about it because Vanessa hasn't seen all of it yet. You know, we all watched it at the same time, and I think there was more awareness of, of shows back then, too.
3: No, and I, and I think, frankly, that's something that is sort of missing from the collective culture, because I can't – and that's why, you know, Super Bowl, Oscars, there are very few things that everybody seems to enjoy together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, Jason, you're absolutely right. The, the, there's, like, binge etiquette. Like, well, mm-hmm. see that, but you can't really talk about it until everyone's caught up with you.
1: Yeah. I mean, fifty-two million people tuned into the one after the Super Bowl. That's insane. And then season one ended with thirty-one million, almost thirty-one million people tuning in. And I look at those numbers, and I, because you know, we report on ratings here, and I'm just like, how did that many people get together and tune into that? That is so crazy. And I just wonder, like, how did this show change television history forever? You know?
3: Well, well, number one, this desire to replicate it. So everybody, yeah. and this happens all the time. It's like. People at CBS and their ABC are like, well, where are our friends? Where's, you know, now up with that. And then you, you will hear this sometimes after uh, Roseanne and Tim Allen hit big a couple of years later. The, the you know, blue collar comedies are in.
0: Uh-huh. For,
3: for friends would be like, yuppie comedies are in. And one other thing that I think people thought about with friends now, you know, one of the thing you would never have a lack of diversity. Now that you have that, yeah. it's kind of that way. But that's also a really good-looking cast. I think that that mm. uh, you know is good-looking, but accessible. But you know, obviously, really good-looking. So.
0: Yeah, I I think you're right. There's a there's still shows that on that ensemble cast. It's six different people, three women, three men. Much more ethnically diverse, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but uh, still following that kind of same format, even in the dramas and things. I think so. I think that's really the thing that Friends. I, I, I'm not sure there was really a show that had that many main characters before that. There or were even a,
2: that storyline of a uh, mm-hmm. like a show that didn't feature a family. Yeah. As the whole main cast,
3: this well, was people well, who were friends. Well, but 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 the logline is the friend. Your friends are your family. And your family, yes. and, uh, and then the other thing, which I I'm not. I've been to New York several times, but I'm not an experienced New Yorker. But the the other criticism is that nobody in the world you know. in a coffee house. As an apartment like
1: that yeah well that is actually addressed in the series and they address it on the series finale but they also little mentions of it and I actually read up on why they created that because they wanted it to be a joyous open colorful apartment but they also you know technical reasons they had to fit six of them in there and then have parties in there and have you know everybody guest stars come in and make something of it so i mean that was one of the obvious reasons um, was nobody would be able to afford it, but I like how they do address it in later seasons.
0: I have very well well healed friends in New York <laughs> and they don't have apartments that big.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well,
0: I, I I I do the couple in New York that are I've literally walked in I'm like, oh this is lovely. Where's the apartment? And they're like this, <laughs> this is it. Yeah, right.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah and the fact that they're in New York and they have they have no uh, uh, Latino or black or gay friends. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, I mean, nowadays, like Lisa Kudrow, she's been promoting um, her new movie, but she's spoke out and said, you know, if they did Friends today, it wouldn't look like what it was then. You know, it would look a lot different. And they recognized that too—that they didn't have much diversity, so they brought in different diverse
2: cast as guest stars and progressive topics that they Mm addressed in the show.
3: For sure. Mm -hmm. sure. No, but the the fact that you guys are are doing this and having such success with this Mm -hmm. is just indicative that there's this on. Going appetite, mm-hmm. and one thing that I, I'm sure is going to happen with the podcast here, and you know, the stars talk about this too is that fans know it better than they know. It. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, the, yeah, oh, there's this, there's you know, oh, that ashtray. You know, it's really astounding how, how people, closely, you know, that people love the stuff.
1: Yeah, uh, for me, as ultimate fan for me, it's more of a feeling this show is more than just like these are my friends and because all of their topics are so relatable and going through your 20s and 30s and figuring it all out, still relevant today. And I remember watching when I first moved to Southern California when I was 20 years old. So it's just nostalgic for me and it feels good. Friends feels good.
2: Yeah. And for me, like my first time watching it, I started watching it when it was on Netflix recently and it's, it's still relatable to me today. It's everything I have listened to or watching the episode, I've gone through it or I'm going through that, or maybe I'll go through that in the future. It's very relatable. Like you said, Sam. So.
0: And for those of us who were of age, the same age as the friends, it's very nostalgic to think back on your twenties, right? So, yeah. I, I
3: actually, I lived, uh, in West LA, we, my, we called it the trendy condo after college. Me and two friends lived mm-hmm. in a, it was it was pretty big uh, near mm-hmm. Santa Monica, Sepulveda. And we had this landlord, and we were not big parties or anything. And he would knock on the door about every other day. And he was like, it's like, you know, uh, Mr. Sam, the neighbors below, they cannot take the pounding. The Mr. Huckles?
1: Mr. Heckles, yeah. (laughs) You have your own Mr. Heckles.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just like that. It was just hilarious all the time. (laughs) Well, thank you, Sam, for uh, spending some time with us, talking about friends, sharing your insight and your expertise. Will you join us again next season? Absolutely. All right. Thank you for joining us. All right. Bye. So, next time on the C, we have season two coming up next. We'll have lots of new adventures there. Yeah, we'll see how
1: Rachel reacts when Ross is coming out of the airport with somebody else and how long it's going to take them to finally get together.
2: And make sure you follow us on Instagram at Friends with Friends. Also, download and subscribe to the podcast and give us great reviews and leave a nice comment.